0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. At the beginning of the year, what you expect to hear is a message kind of about fresh start, new start, and about New Year's resolutions, which I've resolved we don't do those anymore. Um, Because I, anyway, there's a whole bunch of statistics on that, but I think The reason we do New Year's resolutions, we look back and go, I feel kind of stuck financially, stuck physically, my relationships with people around me, my family, my kids, stuff just feels stuck, or I want to get unstuck with my health, or whatever it might be, and so we make resolutions to get unstuck, to break the patterns, to break those those things we got stuck in. And it's fascinating today that where we find ourselves is not a message on, on resolutions and make, and decision-making. It's a story of two people. And I almost skipped it because it's such a quick little story here in the book of Acts. But as I dove into it, I thought, this is perfect for the beginning of the year. Uh, it's a story of a guy named Aeneas, who's paralyzed for eight years, and Tabitha, who, great lady who who died and got raised back to life. So I'm giving away the ending. You know how the story ends. If you want to go check football scores, the game's just started. Wi-Fi works for free here. Uh, Don't video stream here because if you do that, you bet you get the thing all screwed up. But uh, anyway, that's the the, the deal of of getting unstuck. And sometimes we think getting unstuck means I've got to change my behavior, change some patterns and things in my life. And I want to tell you today, getting unstuck, getting unparalyzed, getting up and rolling out into your new life will, will probably not be about new behaviors and new patterns. Because you know this is like, right? They, I was listening to a, a podcast this morning, a, a guy, the church I used to, to be part of years ago, and, and they, they say that typically by the second week, 50% of people aren't doing their New Year's resolutions by week two. So the idea of let's new habits and let's go, let's go, let's go, it doesn't work. I really feel like what needs to happen, we need new perspective. If our perspective changes, the perspective and the paradigm that we view the world with, if that changes, then all of a sudden, the habits and the patterns and behaviors will change. Acts chapter 9 is what we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the chairs around you. And again, the internet's free here. We don't charge you for it. You don't have to buy anything, you can sign anything. It just works. Crosspoint Guest, and uh, you can uh, find a Bible app, or just uh, you uh, f- find just Google Acts chapter nine, verse thirty-two. What's been happening is over in Jerusalem and up in the north. Chaos has been going on. Persecution disruption. It's been crazy here for the people who are Christians, followers of Jesus. And all that's going on, the guy who was the terrorist who's trying to wipe out the church, Saul, Paul, becomes a Christian. And it goes back to Jerusalem. It's like, what is going on? There's craziness going on. And then the next section starts, verse 32, meanwhile. And I almost skipped right over that and I thought, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Maybe today some of you need to know that our God is a God of the meanwhile. Here's why this is important for you. Because when stuff, when all kinds of stuff is going on in your life, in parts of your life over here, God's telling you, I'm the God of the meanwhile. There's stuff going on over here that you've never seen, that you have no idea about. Over in other parts of the world, in the midst of the chaos and craziness of your life, or of our church, or your business, there's God's always the God of the meanwhile. Uh, and, and we're going to find ourselves in uh, some I'm going to give you a map here up on the screen. Little show two cities we're talking about today, Joppa and Lydda. Joppa is more on the coast, Lydda is a little more inland, and then the whole, whole coastal area there is called Sharon, or Sharon, the plain of Sharon there. So Joppa and Lydda. This is not, it's near Jerusalem, but not right close proximity. All the craziness and disruption and persecution going on in Jerusalem. And uh, we we'll write this down today. It's there in your note sheet. There's a note sheet in the back of your program, things... Are not as they seem. No matter how the craziness, whether it's good or bad in your life right now, things are not as they seem. God's always got a meanwhile going on over here. Well, you're not looking. This is like a movie that you watch, right? You're watching some movie and over here it goes, meanwhile, to, 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 over here, what these main characters don't know. Meanwhile, uh, and here's what's happening. Dis- disruption and persecution, obstacles and difficulty makes us go, oh, this is awful. Oh no, what's going on? Write this down. It's important for you today at the start of the year, the disruption always leads to diffusion. And that's true not just in the church and God world. That's true in the business world. That's true in technology. Think about whenever things come in and disrupt the standing thing, you know what happens? Stuff gets diffused out. Because here's what happens. Write this down too. Stomp it out, just spreads it out. I think, honestly, if, if, if Satan and evil were consulting with me, I would tell them, if you just left Christianity alone, it'd probably get all ingrown and nasty and gross and terrible. Just leave us alone, and we'll make, we'll make a mess out of it. What he does is, it's like, imagine a big pudding cup. I was going to actually illustrate this, but I thought, ah, that'd be bad. Big pudding cup up here. You just leave it alone. Does it go anywhere? Does it do anything? It just stays right there, right? You know what happens if I go like this and stomp it? putting everywhere. Satan and evil comes along trying to stomp out our faith, and all they do is spread it out. Now, it's not always pretty, and it gets messy, and stuff goes everywhere, but God's going to tell us, look, I'm going to build my church, and even Satan's attempts to stomp it out uh, will be well-intentioned, but it won't work. It'll just spread it out. That's the meanwhile. That's one word into the message, into the text today. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came to visit the believers in the town of Lida. We saw the map on that. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. So we know he's not just kind of got a limp or a bad leg. I mean he can't get off of his mat, off of his bed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up. I like that. That's probably the message today. Get up and roll up. Your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda, that's the city, and Sharon, Sharon is that coastal region there in Israel. The whole population saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a quirky little story here. And when I was reading it, I was thinking, I wonder why Luke put this here. Because it's, just, it's two little cities we don't know much about. And people got healed, but people got healed all the time in the early church. What, what's this? And I thought maybe for us today, we're like Aeneas, perhaps, and we feel stuck financially, mentally, emotionally. I feel like our marriage is stuck. It's been stuck for a long time. Finance is stuck. Sometimes we feel like we're just stuck and we can't make decisions. We, we keep getting stuck in bad patterns in relationships. There's sometimes we get paralyzed. Uh, by our sin and our foolishness, I read a book years ago called "There I Go Again." Something about how to keep from falling from the same old stuff. That it's the same old stuff that just keeps paralyzing us. Sometimes we get paralyzed. I look around this room today, and you know, some of us are paralyzed by loss and by grief, and we just can't get out of the depression and the anxiety and the frustration. Doesn't it feel like for the last what now? How many a year and nine months we've been stuck? And some of that, the pandemic has caused us to get stuck in some things that haven't been good for us. Uh, And and so uh, sometimes we get, and what's happening too for us, the reason we get stuck is I was watching a lot of TV this last week, uh, binge watching shows, looking at commercials. And the dominant thing that you're being told in both the shows you're watching and in the commercials that are paying for the shows you're watching is this is that you are, you can be defined by your appetites, your instincts, and your desires. That's what they're telling you. That's whatever you, whatever you feel, that's what's real to you. Just be true to yourself, uh, and, and, and whatever, and this happens with money, with sex and sexual identity, with all kinds of stuff related to power. Whatever it might be, you are identified by your appetites, your instincts, and your desires. And it's this idea of just get the car, just get the phone, just get the thing, and that will free you up to be everything that you are supposed to be. And the scriptures are gonna tell us, and you don't even need the Bible to tell us this. You let that thing just keep going and going and going like that. Uh, Paul's gonna tell us over and over again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is gonna tell us, it promises freedom and always leads to paralysis. It gets you to a place of just getting stuck into some stuff that at the beginning feels like, well, what's the big deal about that? It's not doing anything to me now, and it can be a slow but sure paralysis that sinks into your soul and paralyzes you. Some of us are stuck, as I think about it today, not because of decisions we're making or because we're buying into the cultural narrative. Some of us are stuck because of what somebody did to us. You didn't do anything wrong. Somebody did something to you said something to you or about you. Some of you have that tape going off in your head of a coach, a teacher, hopefully it wasn't a parent, but some authority person from your childhood and you're still at 35, 45, 55 years old stuck there cuz it just keeps going off and you just get stuck and paralyzed by that. And if you were as if if your emotional, mental, spiritual paralysis could be seen, you'd be like Aeneas stuck on a mat, just not even limping around, just stuck somewhere. And and sometimes what happens, we need to today hear Peter say to us, hey, Denise, Kelly, Tom, John, Lance, whoever you are, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. You're not paralyzed anymore. You don't have to be stuck in that anymore to get out of these patterns that feel like we're just so stuck. And you wonder, is 2022 going to be any different than 2021 or 2020 or 2015 or 2012? Is it going to be any different? The good news today is Jesus, I have freedom for you. I want you to get off of that mat. I want you to get unstuck from those patterns of your of your life. And sometimes what happens in the Christian faith community Some of you who've been Christians for a while will have have heard this phrase, you've used this phrase, and it's based in part in the Scriptures. And it says, Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven or just saved. Um, And it's like, hey, we're just, uh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that is true at some point, but sometimes we go too far with that. And we've used that to say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, well. Always going to be an alcoholic. Always have to deal with porn. Always going to have a terrible marriage. Always going to deal with anger. Always deal like a forgiveness. Always be a shopaholic, alcoholic. Well, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just stuck with it. But, you know, thank God I got Jesus. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I got my ticket to heaven punched. I get my get out of hell free card. God wants to tell you, you got more, I got more than that for you. I, I, I want to free you. I wanna, you were stuck and paralyzed by sin and foolishness. Get, get up off the mat. And I think today... We Write this down here because our, our issue here is not about behavior modification. It's about a perspective shift. Is that you are not, write this down, you are not your failure. You are not defined by your failure or your success. See, if we let our failures define us, we'll get stuck and it leads to despair and depression and then we have to numb that or medicate that or distract ourselves away from that with all kinds of stuff. The problem, too, though, in our culture is if you define yourself by your success, that doesn't lead to despair, it leads to pride. It leads to pride in thinking that you're amazing, you're fantastic, you're awesome. I, I heard this years ago. I, don't know, I, I didn't make it up somebody else. I found it somewhere. You need to quit listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Some of you on. isn't that the same thing? Oh, no, no. See, listening to yourself is a passive thing. You just sit back and just, the, the cultural narrative rolls in and it comes in undiluted, uncensored, unfiltered. You just let it go in. It's just who I am. It's just who I am. It's, it's you know, it's the classic, I'm just Italian or I'm just Czechoslovakian or I'm just, I'm just American or I'm just Republican or I'm just a Democrat. i just, it's just who I am. It's Papa. I am who I am. And he said, what you have to do is to quit talking, quit listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. And I want to give you some stuff to talk to yourself, to, put, to give you a, a script to download. So, here, keep yourself here in Acts, put a note sheet here or something, and turn over a couple books to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's Acts and then Romans and then 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 9 says it this way, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, and I think he would go, or, or I, think he's, I think you get the idea. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Old school Bible says that is what you were. That is not who you are. Look at me for a second. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. That is what you were. Look what he says about who you are now. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, just a couple books over to the right. You go back past the books of Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. Famous verses there that are good verses to memorize. It, Galatians uh, 2, 8 and 9 talks about, man, you've been saved by grace through faith. You're a sinner. God saved you. It's not because of your own righteousness, but look what he says here. Look at verse 10. For we are God's, What's that next word there? Masterpiece. You know what that means? We're created in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for us long ago. Some of us have thought, okay, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm coming to church. But I'm really like in the back storage thing on the God's 40 acres. He's got a back, you know, old storage thing. He just puts the stuff in there. You know, okay, you're part of my deal, but back there, you know who you are? Uh-uh. God's restoration catalog, you're featured look at Rod, look at Lori, look, look, look at them. And what God loves to do in there is goes, here's who they were, here's the before picture, and here's, and here's the beautiful part is that it's a, one of those digital catalogs. Because you're not done yet. It's like, hey, here's what they're becoming, and God has it, done. he knows what you're going to become that's over here. I wish he'd show me all of that and see all that. I think it would scare me to death a little bit to know what God's gonna do and how he's gonna use me, all that kind of stuff. But it's beautiful. You're a masterpiece. So quit listening to yourself and just think, oh, it's just our marriage. It's just there. I'm just stuck. It's oh well. Start talking to yourself. No, I'm God's, I'm God's masterpiece. And I look here's the good thing about this, too, is God has not told you to make yourself a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And he's create, he is doing things in your life. Now there's things you do to get involved there. It's not, you don't sit back passively and just go, oh well, because look what he says here. Get like, this is beautiful. In Acts, back in Acts chapter 10. He tells him to get, Acts chapter nine, excuse me. Get up and roll up your mat. You know what he's telling Aeneas? Dude, get off the mat. You're not paralyzed anymore. What are you doing there? Don't sit on the floor anymore. Because for eight years now, he's had to sit on the floor on a mat because he's paralyzed. God's telling Aeneas, the dream for him is like, I got a dream for you, pal. But you're not going to get it if you you decide to keep your mat because you're comfortable with that. Some of us have got so used to being paralyzed and stuck in stuff that we're anchored to stuff in our past. Jesus today wants to say, hey, get up and roll up some of that stuff. Roll it up and take it out to the dumpster. You're done with it. You're done. I got... I got couches for you to sit on. You can sit at a table with your family and friends, not sitting over here on the side because you got to sit on a mat there because you can't walk and get up on a chair. I got a bed for you to sleep in. You don't have to sleep on that mat on the floor. God's got dreams and plans for you, but you're not going to get them if you don't get up and roll up. Get up and, and roll up the mat. And that would be enough today, but we still got time. And I got a few more things I want to say to you today about what happens next here in the story. Says so the whole town believed in the Lord. If you have your own Bible there, um, they says they turn to the Lord. That's gonna be an important verse we're gonna look at later. Verse 35, the end of it. If you're in the habit of marking up your Bible, do something there to highlight that. Look at verse 36 now. Uh, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. Again, we're gonna call her Tabitha, because Dorcas. Some of you millennials, Gen Zs that like weird, funky names, I dare you, um, <laughs> for your kids. Please don't name your daughter Dorcas. Oh, gosh. And I don't know where how you go from Tabitha to Dorcas, but just language and whatever. It so says, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room, but the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas, Tabitha had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room and then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. That's a critically important verse in here. Circle that, point that out there. He gave her his hand and helped her up, and then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. And then verse 32, the news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. We use a phrase here all the time here at Cross Point. If they're not dead, they're not done. So Aeneas, not dead, paralyzed, but maybe there's hope here. What happens when something you're praying for and something you're hoping for, maybe it's a marriage thing, maybe it's a financial thing, maybe it's and you're praying like crazy. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. We sing a song. I don't think we're doing it today, but I've seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe you'll do it again. And you go, I got, got it, you can do this, you can turn this thing around. What happens when he doesn't? And what happens to you and me when we see people like Tabitha here? I mean, if you're there in the room, you've, she's died here, but you've spent, she got sick, and she died, and what we, look what we know about her. She was always doing kind things for people. I wonder if people, if, if my life was summarized in one sentence, that's not a bad sentence, right? Always doing great, just kind and doing great things for people, all just serving people like crazy. I can think a lot of people in the town of Joppa, where she lived, that if I'm gonna pick people to die that day, it wouldn't be her. The guy that runs the strip club The guy that's dealing drugs to the kids at the school. There's some people that should die that day. Her? And God, we prayed for her. We prayed like crazy for her. And she's gone. I don't know if you're in a place like that in your life. I want to, to tell you today, I don't want this to be a pessimistic message of like, oh, if you pray, maybe nothing will happen. Oh, well. What I want you to hear today is that whether God chooses to say yes or say no, there is reason for you to become a follower of Jesus and continue to follow Jesus because there can be hope beyond your happenings. There can be hope beyond the circumstances of your marriage or your finances or or whatever it might be. There can be hope for what... What if she doesn't get better? I'm thinking of people in my life right and I'm praying for. We had five or six people just this last year at part of our crossway community that died this year and we prayed like crazy for them. What if my marriage doesn't get better? What if we actually do split up and it goes, what if our kids and our relationship never gets resolved there? What if my money stuff, what if, think about all the what if, what if, what if, and I, how could this not be your will, God? How could Tabitha, who's done these great things for people and she's dying before time, how could that not be your will to heal her? That will create questions for you. That's why I think Luke puts it here. They prepare prepare her for burial and somebody goes, Peter. Peter's uh, about 15 miles away. And we've been hearing, he's been doing these miracles through this. Peter, maybe, maybe there's hope. They talk about this idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe, not very likely, but desperate times. They go beg Peter to come, and he, he comes over. He shows up, sees everybody out, sends everybody out, not sure why. Maybe he didn't want this to be a big spectacle kind of thing. Sends everybody out of the room, prays Jesus. He prays, he just says to her, Tabitha. Koum, which that's what the, the Hebrew, Aramaic, Aramaic Tabitha, Koum. I think Peter in his mind went flashback to two or three years earlier when in a little room where Peter and James and John were with Jesus. Jesus said to little Jairus, his little daughter, he didn't say Tabitha, Koum. He said Talitha, Koum. Talitha means little girl. It wasn't, a, it wasn't her name. The, the little echo of the word play here is kind of crazy, ironic there in that story. And I told you to, uh, when we looked at it, when he healed her, he says, get up, Tabitha. He says, she sat up. Look at verse 41. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Um, always follow get up with help up. See, somebody who's been dead is not gonna be able to go, boom, just be able to get up. Somebody whose marriage has been dead, whose soul has been dead, who's been stuck, in some stuff, and it wasn't just stuck and paralyzed, but it died, it's gone, they're not going to be able to just go, okay, come on, trust Jesus with your life, let's go, let's go. They're going to need somebody to come alongside them and help them up. That's why Beth talked to us today about what small groups do for us. Small groups help us do that, help us get alongside people that are going through stuff that can just go, hey, let me help you up a little bit here. Now I can't, I'm not going to put you on my back and carry you around, I can help you up. Sometimes in our formulaic, instant YouTube, instant delivery, Amazon Prime, drop ship stuff, we want people, we want our marriage to change, we want our finances to change, we want everything to change like, boom, go, let's get up, let's go. With your children. With your children who have suffered some trauma in their life. With people in your life who have suffered trauma of some kind. Trauma that they did or trauma done to them. This can be exhausting work sometimes. I'm just talking to somebody before the service day a little bit about this. At times you just want to go, what did I sign up for here? I'm trying to help people get up. And I help them get up and then they're still not strong enough yet and they fall down again. It's okay, come on, get up. We keep having to do that. Sometimes that's just the deal. Getting up always means helping up. We don't just yell at people and tell them, knock it off, get going. It says the news spread and that uh, many people believed. And the question that comes to my mind in a, in a, an account like this, it's there in your notes, I think. It says, this time, not every time. This is one story. The reason, you understand guys, the reason this is in the Bible, the story of Aeneas is, is here and the story of Tabitha is here, <laughs> is because this hardly ever happened, even in Bible times. The reason it's here is because, look, this is crazy what happened here. God did a miraculous thing here. Miracles, by the very nature of the word miracle, means that they're rare. If they happened all the time, it would just be Tuesday. If people got healed, from, raised from the dead all the time, are like, well, what's the big deal? The reason it's here is to send us a message, to, to tell us something here. But I wrestle with it struggle with it for some of the same reasons you do. Like, I have things I want to see God turn around to bring back to life. Again, whether it's somebody physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, dead stuff brought back to life. What happens when God doesn't? When even when it's dead and I prayed and I believed God, then it just didn't happen. It can create questions and difficulty and frustration for us Uh, And I probably don't have any great answers for you today. We can look at why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, and there's all kinds of philosophical, theological speculation people do on this. There are a couple places right here out of what Luke puts here. Look back at verse um, 35. It says, The whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. Down there in verse 42, it says they spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. Can I tell you today, write this down. You won't probably like this. There's not a way to grow a church and get lots of people to come, but here's the deal. God's primary agenda is kingdom advancement, not problem solver for you. His whole deal is whatever I can do, my primary thing here is what advances the kingdom? What gets more people out of darkness? out of stuck in their sin, and gets them to say yes to Jesus. He says, that's what drives everything that I do here on planet Earth. Kingdom advancement, not problem solver. Now, when when it comes down to it, I vote for God as the problem solver. In fact, a lot of times we're going to see, get in the habit of reading your Bible on a regular basis, you'll see all the time God says this, Abraham. God calls Abraham to be the founder of the Jewish nation. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. Through you, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. I'll bless you to be a blessing. I sign it for that every time. God, bless my life. I don't want pain. I don't want suffering. I want to win the lottery. I want to make a lot of money. I want a vacation. I want want all this stuff. Bless me, bless me. And God does that over and over again. He says, that's the reason he blesses us is to advance his kingdom. So people go, look what God does in a marriage, in finances, in health. Look what God, this is amazing to get people to go, hey, we should get in on that. But sometimes, in fact, I wonder if it's not most of the time, we live in a watching world, especially here in the Temecula, Murrieta Valley, where our homes, what, have doubled in value in four years. We all have wealth sitting in the place. And we didn't do anything except make a house payment. We drive nice cars. We go to great restaurants. We, I just think, I mean, you, this is not to shame. This is awesome. I, I love living here. I think all the dummies that are moving out of California are just dumb. They're going to get to places like Idaho and go, what did we be thinking? Because <laughs> it's, meant like today, it's capital C cold up there. Some of you live in Idaho. I know who you are. <laughs> and you're here at Christmas time, right? Because no fool goes to Idaho for Christmas. You come to California for Christmas. <laughs> that wasn't part of the message. I edit, edit, edit. But I wonder if a world's walking around saying, and they know that you're a Christian, know that you go to church and you believe in Jesus and all that. And they wonder this is God your still God when He doesn't come through? What if he doesn't heal your marriage? What if he doesn't turn your kids around? What if your son or daughter never comes, becomes a Christian? What if she leaves you? What if? Because I'm convinced, too, that God sometimes does things so that a watching world knows that God's real even if you don't win the lottery. Even if you suffer. See, I want a God. The 23rd Psalm says, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And that's, all, that's the only part of Psalms that I want. Psalm 23, because then he talks about, and he leads me through the valley. And not the valley. The valley of the shadow of death. I want God to steer me around the valley. I want to stay up on the mountaintops. Keep me out of the valleys, mountaintops. Uh, God, I don't want to go like the fire and the, the, the heat of the fire. Get, keep me from the fire. Don't I don't want to go through the fire. And God goes, what if the best way to leverage my kingdom, not to solve your problem? Not to keep you on the mountaintops or keep you out of the valley, but take you right through the valley, take you right through the fire. Reminds me of another story back in the book of Daniel. Some of you know this story. If you grew up going to church, you heard this story at least twice a year because it's a great one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told, bow down to this king's idol or I'm gonna put you in the fiery furnace. And they're given like a second chance to bow down. The king is furious with them. He says, you bow down or I'll put you in that fire. Look what they say. Look at verse uh, 16. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter three, Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He, what's that next word there? Will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. If God comes through for us, we're going to follow him. If God doesn't come through for us, we're going to follow him no matter what. It reminds me uh, of a verse that comes from the book of Lamentations. You can turn there if you want. It'll be up there on the screen. Here's what I with the Lamentations. Uh, what's the first part of Lamentations? It's the word lament. You know what a lament is? Funeral songs. This is not like we hardly ever sing songs of lament here at cross point for here cuz they'd be like oh it's terrible life is awful who wants to even be here today ra rah. i mean we don't we don't have songs like that jeremiah writes lamentations as a funeral song for the nation of israel babylon and and assyria have come and just destroyed them And guys, we have never seen this in the last civil war times in our country, might have been a time you would have gone, dang, this is awful. Like dead bodies everywhere. Starvation, disease, abuse, torture, rape. I mean, it's it's terrifyingly awful. And the book of Lamentations, if you want, if you're not depressed yet, read it sometime. It's awful. He's just talking about how awful things are, how terrifying and terrible this is. And he gets, I don't even know where the verses are because I, I, I wrote them out here on my note sheet. It says this. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Stop there for a second. You ever been there? The thought of my situation is bitter. I have no words to even describe how awful this is. And here, look at me for a second. Just had this thought that maybe this message today is not for you, but it may be for people around you that are looking for hope and looking for help. The thought of my suffering, hopeless, homelessness is better beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope I love that. Dare to hope. Want to remember this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great is his faithfulness. And that's an easy thing to say to us today, sitting on blue comfortable chairs on the second day of the year, and we've had good breakfast to eat. We maybe stopped and got a 4 or 5 or $8 cup of coffee on the way here. This is in the midst of terrifying, awful, you ever been at a place where you've been at the bottom and thought it can't possibly get worse than this and then the bottom falls out of the bottom? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Our world is looking for people that would say whether God comes through or not, no matter what, I'm his. Because, write this down, it's the last thing in the band comes in about here. My hope is not in my happenings. My hope's in Jesus. You're being sold the line that says you have to, that your hope is in your happenings. And if your circumstances are good, you can be happy. You can have joy. And I'm telling you, like I said, I vote for that. I'm gonna go home today, eat some good food, watch football teams win and lose on a 65-inch TV in my family room. I vote for that. God, give me more of that. In fact, I want an 80-inch TV. I want a big, bigger screen there. I, I'm telling you. Ah, all that and more. Are you paralyzed today? Do you need to be unstuck? The message for you today is get up and roll up. Where's God telling you to get up? Let's go. That's not who you are. Stop Stop listening to yourself. Start talking to yourself. You're God's masterpiece. He's created something new in Christ Jesus for you. And that even if, don't miss this, even if the circumstances are great, Or the circumstances are terrible. I'm going to dare to hope. I'm going to dare to hope. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And his faithfulness is great. We're going to give you a chance today to respond to this. We're going to sing some songs this morning with our band. We have our prayer team at the back of the house today. If you need prayer for anything, you may have come in today on the first day of the year, just going, like we came to church because you may you need help." And again, they'll just pray for you. Going to talk to God out loud about what's going on in your life. Don't sit here and just hold on to this yourself. Let some people remember we talked about get up, help you up right now. Let them pray for you. Uh, people will be getting up, moving around the room because we have in the four corners of the room uh, bread and juice. It's communion. What Christians call communion. It's the bread is a symbol of the body of Jesus. The, uh, the uh, juice is a symbol of the blood of Jesus that 2,000 years ago, the Son of God hangs on a cross. And it's fascinating to me that God, when he came to save the world, could have just come in here and just all special effects and lights and smoke and mirrors and woo, amazing and fantastic. He's going to show us oftentimes the way now. The way to the resurrection life that God has for you is almost always going to be through a crucifixion. It's almost always going to be through some difficulty and and awesome, and God's going to tell you, (laughs) but I'm worth it. I'll be with you in the middle of it, and you'll get to the other side of it be able to declare great is your faithfulness. So Jesus, today, as we come to tables of communion to eat and drink... God, there's some people here today that need to hear your voice clearly. Just say, get up and roll up. So God, by your spirit today, in the next 10 minutes as we sing together, speak loudly. And then God, some of us need to hear. We don't need to believe it in our minds anymore. God, it has to get into my heart and my soul. That my situation is awful right now, but I'm still going to dare to hope that your faithfulness and your love and your mercy is unfathomably great. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.